golden question is, what is Jesus doing up in heaven right now? We're going to talk about it here on Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. In every episode of Hebrews, we've been looking at Jesus in heaven, Jesus doing something for us, Jesus ministering on our behalf. Well, all that is predicated on the ascension of Jesus, and that's what we're talking about on this episode of Inverse. My name's Justin Kim, and in the studio, we have Jonathan, Sebastian, and Callie. Hey, guys. Aloha. And we're in Hebrews, yes, Mm -hmm. Hebrews. Some Mm -hmm. high stuff, but some real everyday application, which I've come to really, really appreciate. Uh, Callie, if you can pray for us, and we'll jump into chapter 9 and 10. Okay. Father in heaven, thank you for the beautiful things you have already been showing us through the book of Hebrews. Thank you uh, for all that Jesus is and all that he continues to um, to be for us and what he's already done and what he will do. I pray that as we study that you guide us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I pray that we'd see the things you wish us to see and they would sink into our hearts and minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, Braxton chapter 10, verse 19 through 22, please. Yes, sir. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Uh, Jonathan, what what have we covered thus mm-hmm. far? We don't have to address everything, but sure. just kind of uh, just fly by. And what mountains do you see? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a variety of mountains. There's a mountain range, uh, <laughs> and they're all about Jesus. So we see, you know, it's it, Hebrew starts out with making very clear that Jesus is the Son of God. Mm. He is higher than the angels. He is God, uh, and but then. Paul also makes the argument for the fact that Jesus did lower himself, become lower than the angels in that sense by becoming human. Got a valley there. Uh, yeah, and there's a valley, yep. And then that ends up being a huge mountain. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. But then throughout the whole book, we see a continuation of constantly pointing out that how Jesus is better, 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 better than the old covenant uh, sanctuary system. Even though that was a good system, Jesus is better. Uh, you know, better, he's a better high priest because he's eternal, he's without sin. Uh, he's better in every possible way. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, we see a variety of other, you know, little topics here, little topics there that he addresses. But then also, uh, we see the transition that Paul uh, points out uh, from that old covenant system, uh, the system of the sanctuary with all the sacrifices and how Jesus fulfilled all that and uh, once and for all has brought salvation to us through his great sacrifice and his high priestly ministry now administering these things for us. Mm-hmm. And over and over again, Paul uh, brings out the fact that we can have boldness b- because of this. Therefore, just like we just read, therefore, we can have boldness to enter the Holy of Holies because Jesus is there for us and he is um, our representative in mm-hmm. heaven. He's a king, he's a priest, he is, he is a brother. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the peaks. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you guys a question that came to my mind is we've been talking a lot about the assurance of Christ, yes. a lot about this boldness that yes. you're also talking about. Is there a, a certain danger that we can, if we overemphasize or if we're imbalanced on this, on this uh, maybe even getting into presumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? How do we? Um, let, let me ask. What is that presumption? And how do we avoid that? If, if I think it's a nice counterbalance for this for this discussion, uh, Sebastian and then Jonathan. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a really good question. I think you know we 
we often struggle with the assurance that comes from salvation right in Christ and knowing that what he did is efficacious and it will work and it will save us to the uttermost as mm -hmm. we've studied in the past. At the same token, it's a recognition that it still boils down to a, a daily continual devotion, right? Our daily piety, our daily connection with Christ yes. that, you know, as one person has said, like 80% of life is showing up. And I would say, you know, in a similar sense with Christ and your relationship, 80% is showing up. When you don't want to pray, when you don't want to be there, when you're not interested, you still show up and come into his presence mm -hmm. and he can do the rest. And so I think that's what keeps you humble and grounded are those moments where everything's not just a mountaintop experience, mm -hmm. but some days you're like, I'm just not feeling it but I'm gonna show up and stay committed to the relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. That's good, that's good, very, pra yeah. very practical. You know, there is a, there, it's very true that there is a, that we can fall into the tendency of just kind of taking things for granted, taking for granted that Jesus is all these things for us, and well, I'll just go to Jesus with this problem, and that's, while that is a good attitude, Jesus, you can never weary him, you cannot make him tired yeah. of you, you know, yeah. he will always mm -hmm. welcome you. Yeah. Um, it is important, as Sebastian saying, to recognize that because of our, you know, we are still in the process of being transformed all of our lives, we need that humility, we need that, uh, that surrender attitude, mm -hmm. so that we, while we can have boldness in, in, in coming to Jesus, let us also have humility in accepting His will. Because sometimes His will, even though we might be Christian and we might, you know, understand a lot of God, about God's will, sometimes His will will be very different from what we think it is. And so that humility, that surrender attitude, I think is key. Mm -hmm. um, when we keep that humility going, uh, He can lead us into really wonderful and better experiences than what if we just kind of try on our own to make this Christianity thing work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kelly, any any other insight? No, no. Okay, I just want to give you an opportunity. Thanks. I always appreciate your your insights and what it comes to, especially balancing out insurance versus um, presumption. Mm -hmm. uh, I know there there are certain personalities. I would per put me into that where it's mm. hey, I don't I don't want to make that assumption too much. Mm -hmm. If it, uh, is there a certain contribution I can do, and mm -hmm. and that's something that I struggle with. Like mm -hmm. what what can I? I always say a little thumbnail in a, in an ocean of righteousness. What can I do? But yeah. but uh, it is it is. Is, is a temptation there. Mm. I changed my mind. Okay, I was going to say that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> change your mind. Yeah. Um, I was, a few years ago, I'm, you know, I'm actually very similar to that in that I struggle, if I have to struggle towards cheap grace or legalism, legalism all the way. Mm. Um, and I was talking to a friend a few years ago and I was telling him this and I was like, you know, I'm so scared of kind of falling into cheap grace that I'd almost rather err on the side of legalism. Like, I feel like that's a safer error. And he made a really good point that he said, you know, I actually disagree with you because legalism has this idea that you can do something to merit. Um, you can do something to merit righteousness and you can do something of yourself. You are somehow able to be good enough and you can do if you just try hard enough. What cheap grace does, and again, these are all kind of uh, like genres to so those things yeah, inside and these of are it. Yeah, man-made also. And right, right, right. You know, fluid, yeah. But so a, but cheap, what cheap grace does is, is it focuses on Jesus too much in a sense. Okay. So again, they're both distortions. Yeah. But what I'm trying to point out is legalism is it's all about you and cheap grace is it's to, it's you have lost the one thing you actually are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so both of them, again, are distortions. I'm not saying cheap grace is okay, but I, 
I think the fear of cheap grace sometimes pushes us towards legalism. Yeah, We're like, true, you know, true. I don't want to be so assured. I don't want to be so confident. So you know what? We're just going to leave it in suspense yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah. And because I've done that and we use that as an excuse sometimes, especially because, you know, we're the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We believe in the Ten Promises, the Ten Commandments, yeah. and we have all these standards to keep. So it's a lot easier, I think, especially for this denomination to be like, well, legalism's better. So let's just yeah. err on that side. And I, the two sides, actually, I think they just uh, make more of each other, to be honest. Yeah. They're, mm -hmm. they're progenitors of each other. So I've had enough of legalism. I need to become cheap grace. I mean, mm -hmm. oh, cheap grace. And we just swing and we just avoid. And I don't think the center is in this the nice balance. I think it's just the de-emphasis on Christ altogether. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, if you want more legalists, just preach more cheap grace. You preach more legal, uh, cheap grace, you get more. I mean, it's this yeah. never-ending cycle from generation to generation. And I, I think what creates that balance is, a f is maintaining a full picture of the problem but also the solution. Mm. So you need to really understand your situation minus Jesus, and you need to really understand how Jesus got you out of all of that. Mm -hmm. And so if you kind of lose track of one of them, like if you don't really understand what Jesus did for you, or actually, if you don't understand where you're at, then it's kind of like, well, why do I really need Jesus? Mm -hmm. Like, I got this. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, I should study the right. Bible more. That's right, right, right. So we need to maintain an understanding of both, though our fixation should still be on the solution because mm -hmm. the solution is a person. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to add to Callie's point is that the, the difficulty there is the one is telling me like I, I am, I don't have to depend upon Christ as much as I should, right? Mm -hmm. Versus the other one is like, I don't really need to depend upon him because he's already done, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like usually cheap grace, they're both killing dependence, right? Mm -hmm. On different angles. That's a good point. So it's like, I don't have to depend and come yeah. to Christ every day and ask for his strength and power and crave his presence and spirit on the cheap grace side, but then the legalism, I don't have to do that because mm -hmm. I'm still trying to make up my part. Mm -hmm. So why would I go to him for prayer and for his spirit and desire when it's like, no, no, I want to be righteous. I want, so I'm just mustering it up in my own strength. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that the, the verse that we just studied, studied here yes. kind of brings a nice balance. If you can jump to verse 19 here yep. in Hebrews 10, it says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by what? The blood, blood of Jesus. Of Jesus by verse 20, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we see here, yes, you can have boldness because Jesus is awesome. Yes, you can come before him at all times and he will welcome you. But how do you come before him? Here's the balance. By his blood. Mm -hmm. None of your blood, none of your good deeds. And by his way, his flesh, his death. So we see his, it is only by Jesus' sacrifice that we can come and have that, that new way, that access. And mm -hmm. that gives us, I think, a good balance here and a good emphasis. Paul is making this emphasis like, yes, boldness, but only because of Jesus, mm -hmm. not because of anything you produce. Mm -hmm. While we are called to do good things and you know, do, you know, do righteousness, none of that will, will pay for our access to heaven. That, that was paid by Jesus for us because mm -hmm. he loves us even before we could have done anything to earn it. Do you think that ancient Israelites had a certain advantage over us in the sense like they were, they had, we talked about in the previous episode, they had mm -hmm. to kill animals, the blood of animals. Mm -hmm. It made that, that, that crucifying or the value of life, I mean, mm -hmm. that viscer, viscerality, that's not a word, but that visceralness, <laughs> visceral, visceralissimo, uh, <laughs> that, that, that yes. carnage was real. Like yeah. it mm -hmm. was, you had to kill. Mm -hmm. So they would, they, 
they that that cheap grace was not even <laughs> on the menu to choose from. Yeah. Maybe that's why maybe maybe legalism was kind of their. I don't know. I mean, we will, I guess we'll analyze this in heaven. But <laughs> today we kind of had that. We 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 don't see the visceralness or like you know, oh Jesus did everything for me, so I'll just kind of like well I'll just go do whatever I want to do and then correct. Uh, and right. to your point, right? You can fall into the formalism that they fell into because it's like, I'm so used to killing an animal, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, then sure. it's just like, yeah, yeah, just kill the animal and move on That's without right, yeah. the actual yeah. hard work of yeah. repentance we'll and, and sorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Well, in this text, it says, in this text, it says it went straight into the holiest by the blood of Jesus and new and a living way, straight into the most holy place. When we come back out of the break, we're going to look at where did Jesus go when he ascended to heaven? Did he go into the most holy place? And is this whole heavenly sanctuary ministry thing. What is all that? Is this all hocus pocus bogus? Let's find out when we come back after the break. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Welcome back. We're looking at Jesus in the most holy place, or is he? This is a very controversial topic. There are many people who say that when Jesus went up to heaven, when he ascended, when he went up, up and away, he went straight into most holy place. There are others that say when Jesus went to heaven, he started his heavenly ministry, uh, heavenly sanctuary ministry. Mm-hmm. So he spent from 3180 31. up to 1844 in the holy place. Mm-hmm. And in 1844, at the end of the 2300 days, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you want to go to inverse Bible, Dot .org and look up on the Daniel Bible study on these prophecies in Daniel that talk about the heavenly sanctuary being cleansed, right? Mm-hmm. And that ended in 1844 and from that point on Jesus entered into his most holy place, right? Yep. So which is it? What's going on? According to this verse in verse 19, he entered into the most holy place, the holiest of all. Yes. If that is the case, then all this is is it bogus? What's going on, Braxton? Well, I think it's a it's a, a better understanding of the earthly ministry, which is a type in a shadow, really helps clarify this because it is true that there was only one day a year that the high priest went into the most holy place, which was on the Day of Atonement, mm-hmm. um, and which was an annual feast. But at the same token, we see that when Moses's tabernacle or Solomon's tabernacle, when these things were dedicated, the high priest went into the most holy place to inaugurate that ministry. Everything mm-hmm. was anointed every component, every part of it anointed. And this was a way for the high priest to be anointed Mm -hmm. as well as for the ministry of the sanctuary to actually begin. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus ascended, he moved from the outer court of the earth where he made his sacrifice, which is where the lamb was killed, Mm -hmm. into the heavenly sanctuary, but initially to go to that most holy place, uh, a, a compartment in order to inaugurate his ministry as high priest, as well as the ministry of the singer. It's active, right? It's like yeah. he turned it on. He hit the power switch, <laughs> and now sins are right. It's cranking through heaven, <laughs> and our sins are forgiven, and we have an intercessor. Yeah, no, very interesting. I mean, this debate was going on for a very long time, and people said that, oh, no, the high priest goes to the most holy place only once a year. Like, yeah, yeah. but if he's there, then da 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 yep. We see, I know, there's one other passage where the holy, the high priest went in to inaugurate the, the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. He turned it on, and after everything was turned on, then he starts his holy daily. place ministry yes. daily. 
That's and right. Transitioned and over. I just add to that, and, and I don't want to speculate, of course, on the on the exact architecture of the heavenly sanctuary and what it all looks like. But at the end of the day, what matters is what is Jesus doing. So, like, uh, is it two actual physical rooms? Is it two faces that he's in? I mean, this is God. Okay, we're talking about multidimensional, ultra-dimensional being, right? Uh, transcends <laughs> all these things. Um, is Jesus really spending, you know, two thousand years away from from the Father? How does that look like? I don't think we need to speculate too much about this, what, what really it comes down to is there's two phases of ministry uh, and, and you know, Jesus' sa- salvation offer and so on is, is, is valid in both of those phases. He's offering mm-hmm. salvation at all times. So even now that we, you mentioned the prophecies, even now that we are living in the anti-typical Day of Atonement in this judgment hour that has begun, we still have the offer of salvation uh, given to us mm-hmm. uh, in, in that sense. So it's just um, important to remember that even though you can speculate and theorize about what it's going look like what matters is what is he doing right now yeah no i appreciate that that holy place ministry continues on yes yes because he's in the in uh in the judgment phase doesn't mean that the intercession is over exactly there's some who believe that and that means we're the game over we're we're done for (laughs) but we don't see any evidence in scripture so justin because this topic really gets me excited the more and more we dive into it because when you look at um verse 19 it doesn't say that jesus is entering there but it says brethren are as brothers beckoning back to chapter two, having confidence, right, or boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, mm-hmm. by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, that is mm-hmm. through the veil, that is his flesh. So our high priest, right, because he is a human being, right, through Christ and through our faith in Jesus, which is why he's going to eventually encourage us, right, to hold on to him. And there's a warning after this section in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Mm-hmm. He's saying, by my faith in Christ, I am entering also into the holiest. Yes. I am also coming into the presence of God through Christ, through his humanity. He's bringing me close to God. And so he's like, through this veil, right, I end up being washed. I end up being forgiven. I end up getting access directly to God as a result of that. So it's not even just him as the high priest, but his presence as the high priest is carrying me through there Mm -hmm. as I'm on earth. And because of my faith in Christ, I've been carried there too Mm -hmm. as well. I I love this uh, Jesus being the veil, right? His Mm -hmm. body being the veil. The veil was a, a, I don't know, the vocabulary that I use is a membrane, right? (laughs) A membrane that allows the holy to be in the holy side and the human to be in the human side, right? Okay. Like a reverse osmosis membrane filter. Anyway, so Jesus's body allowed the holiness to contain the holiness of God on mm-hmm. the holy yeah. on the most holy side, yeah. but also allow humanity to approach the most holy place without being them you know obliterated by mm-hmm. God's holiness. Correct. Right? Now, um, so our only point of contact with the divine is through Jesus. I mean, that's really the point. Yes. He's using that as an image. Yeah. Um, we've talked about Kelly and I have talked about it in, in previous episodes, but there are we 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 kind of mentioned it and joking a little bit, uh, but we I think now is a good time to talk about it. When people say, hey, can you pray for me? <laughs> we create systems of intermediaries, right? We create intercessory structures. There are other denominations yeah. that have very complex structures, right? Yeah. And they have the three tiers and, you know, there's different ways to get up and down. It's like a video game. But then there's others. We do it in our own minds, mm-hmm. right? So amongst this group, hmm, you're the most spiritual, so therefore you're there. You're kind of not, but you're, oh, you're definitely not. So let me go here. And we make judgment calls, right? And we ask, is there a danger of, of intermediaries that, that, that we create? And then secondly, then how do we pray for each other? Should we even pray for each other? How does that system work? Mm-hmm. Kelly? Well, I think praying for each other 
can have a lot of different motivations. And because we can think again, I can think, you know, I want to pray for this and I, I really want God to hear me. And who's going to hear me more, Justin or myself? Justin, actually, God hears you faster than me. So I want you to pray. And that's my motivation for you praying. And maybe that's even your motivation. You're like, you're right. God does hear my prayers faster than yours, Callie. <laughs> I will pray for you. And that whole dynamic right there is, is off mm. because those things are not true. Mm-hmm. But there is a drawing together of the body of Christ and coming before him as equals, Mm -hmm. not we're equal with Jesus, we're equal with each other. Mm -hmm. And we are bolstering and multiplying those prayers together. That's, that's a whole different thing of, yeah, coming together. So I think a big part is, is the motivation. Like, do I think I'm heard better because you're holier than me or you're tighter with Jesus? That's unbiblical. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. But what's coming, coming to my brain is, uh, is, uh, James 5, 17, Elijah Mm -hmm. was a man with like, nature like just like ours. Yep. Mm-hmm. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and did not rain the land for three years and six months. Uh, in verse 16, the prayer of a fervent, the effective Actually. fervent fervent prayer of a righteous man, man avails, avails much. much. The yes. version. Uh, how do we do that? And then in, in ancient Israel, I mean, they're talking God face to face, but they're like, hey, we can't, Moses, hey, can't, you, go, you be our veil kind of thing. Correct. Well, I, how do I make sense of this? And and, and as a recipient of prayer requests, mm-hmm. should I say yes or no? And, and uh, <laughs> I, I think this is real because a lot of people deal with this, Braxton and then and, and Josh. Well, uh, perhaps one way to kind of frame the whole discussion is to really sit back and think about, you know, talking about the the concept of intercessory prayer needs to really focus on the fact that I'm standing in a gap on your behalf in prayer, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's of a role that I'm taking, right? So I'm praying for Cali as if I'm in Cali's situation mm-hmm. and I'm interceding for Cali, right? If Or for example, let's say Cali's like, I just don't believe God hears my prayers or she- I just don't feel she, like praying. Right, she doesn't feel like praying or she's spiritually down. We believe in scripture that I can stand in the gap for, for Cali and God will accept my faith and my belief on her behalf in her situation. Mm. And this is the ultimate selflessness of Christ. He doesn't deal with sin. He doesn't deal with the need for repentance. He doesn't need repentance. He doesn't need those things. But yet he's standing in the gap for me. Uh And he's advocating that God would extend that to me Mm -hmm. and give me the gift of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. So the intermediary concept is is, um, on one level, recognizing my desire to empty out my needs for the sake of someone else of things I don't need. But at the same token, understanding that the existence of the high priest of Jesus Christ is proof positive that I have no merit Mm -hmm. in and of itself. It doesn't matter who you choose, but we sometimes because of our, whether it's an emotional reaction Mm. or whether it's just a a, um, like Callie was saying, right? Like, man, it seems like every time Callie prays, God is always moving in her situation. I'm walking away and I start having that inner voice in my own heart that was telling me, see, it's because of that evil sin that you committed last week. Mm. That's why God's not hearing you. Mm. It's because you were selfish with your wife or because you didn't do this with your kids. That's why God's not hearing you. Cause you know, the Bible says, right? If you don't treat your wife, right? Mm. Your prayers will be hindered. So all of a sudden it's your inner voice, that self-talk that is really leading you to that path to start creating some intermediaries to cover up your shame mm-hmm. as to why you feel you can't come to God. But that's Jonathan's point. The blood of Jesus covers yes. me, Yes. the life of Christ. So when God, when I come to God, regardless of what I did last week, Jesus's life is what God sees. 
he doesn't see me approaching, he sees Jesus approaching. Amen. That seems yeah. to also be in the in the concept as we talk about intercessory prayer, it also seems to be an element of spiritual warfare that we should consider in this great controversy that we are living in. Okay. Uh, there is, you know, Christ, there's Satan, there's the demons, there's angels, and there are rules of engagement. Now, I, I cannot lay those out for you because I don't understand it fully, <laughs> but I do know sure. that Jesus prayed for us. When he was on earth, he said, you know, to Peter, I've prayed for you. Once you've repented, you know, yes. eat my sheep. Mm -hmm. Jesus prayed for Peter because he knew that Satan is going to deceive him and lead him to a bad situation. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, we can pray for each other uh, and we can, w when we pray for each other, it seems to me, from my understanding, from what I see in Scripture and in my life, that God then has a legal right to to do more than maybe that person that I'm praying for is allowing God to do in their life. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I am I'm engaging in spiritual warfare by praying for others. Mm. And it's not that I have any merit. Again, it's the merit of Christ. But mm -hmm. we are in, in this in this in this war. We are supposed to support each other also with our prayer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 I think kind of going back to your James verse, because I'm a big fan of James, um, mm. <laughs> is there's also, there's there's nobody that can't have an effective, fervent prayer of a, as a righteous person. Okay. That is not only reserved for people who are priests or pastors or have been Christians for at least five, uh, five years or more. Like, righteousness comes through Jesus. Prayer is not an exclusive spiritual gift. And so there are people that do have these experiences where, yeah, like I have more confidence in God because I have more experience with God. Mm -hmm. But there's no like, oh, that person's more spiritual than you. They have more access to God. It's more of you've convinced yourself mm -hmm. you have less access to God. Mm. And so we can we can be hindered, like Sebastian was saying, by our own thoughts and by our own ways of approaching things. But it's not God is like, oh, I don't like you. I like you better. Mm -hmm. You've just convinced yourself of that and you're acting that way. Mm -hmm. And so anybody can have the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person. And Justin, the crazy thing is right before that verse in James 5, he says, confess your faults one to another. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's like, oh, I got faults, you got faults, and then pray fault. for each other. Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, wait, the one who just had faults? Yeah, the one mm -hmm. you just That you were confessed. just confessing? Yeah. Because we understand you're righteous by faith mm -hmm. in Christ. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's, it's James is already setting us up for that. So at the end of the day, we have now our ultimate human intercessor, divine, human divine intercessor in the most holy place. So how should that impact our prayer life? Mm. I mean, verse 23, let us okay. hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is mm. faithful. Good, that's a good one. You know, mm. th that's, that's the lesson I'm taking from this. He's there, he's faithful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kelly? I think the biggest thing practically for me, I was actually talking to Sebastian about this recently, is the way to prayer is, is to pray not as helpless as like, God, please, if you would just really not mind, it's, it's more of God, you said this and I believe it mm -hmm. and praying in faith. And that's what an effective, fervent prayer is. God, this is what it says. My feelings might be contrary. My circumstances that I can see might be, but I'm praying as though it is true because it that's is right. true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of prayer that we are allowed to pray because of Jesus' righteousness that's pleading for so us. The prayers are not based on our merit, on how much we try or how much we even whine in our prayer, mm. but it's how much we have faith in the power and the goodness of God. Amen. Hopefully your faith and your assurance in the Lord Jesus Christ who sits in the most holy place now, who's interceding on our behalf and judging us and he's working for our salvation, the captain of our salvation as Hebrew says, may you have faith in him and in that ministry. That's our prayer. Hopefully that's yours. Thanks so much for joining us here on Inverse. We are continuing our journey in the book of Hebrews. We have some huge mountains, low valleys for straight access into the most holy place. God bless you. We'll see you next week.
You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.